Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is a candidate in Springfield, Oregon for the school board director position three and a journeyman carpenter with the United Brotherhood of Carpenters, Local 271, Anthony Reed. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's really cool to get to chat with you. This is uh, part two of a three-part series I'm doing today uh, called Meet the Candidates. Uh, with this podcast, I like to introduce my audience to the local candidates, especially in a midterm election, because you know it's a really difficult thing when you look at your ballot, you're like, who are these people? And so this is one of the things when I started this podcast that I really wanted to do. And so thanks again for doing this. Uh, you and I chatted last night, and I could tell that down the road, uh, we're gonna. It, this will blossom into a really good friendship. So it's it's cool to meet you, and it's an honor to have you on the show. Awesome. Let's get into it. So let's just go get right into it. Uh, you know what motivated you to run for the school board? Yeah. So I'm from Thurston area out here, and uh, last summer there was a Black Unity March out here, and the police response to that, and and all of the uh, um, kind of all the fallout that followed really fired me up you know it got me it got me motivated to change the direction of our neighborhood and of our community i started a group called thurston for anti-racism uh we're over 100 members now and when the school board position i saw that they were taking candidates for that i thought what a great way to expand that and continue the work so i'm running for school board in order just to make springfield um to make it better yeah just to to continue continue the work one of the things I mentioned, you were a journeyman carpenter. And so your big thing is, is that you really want to not uh, eliminate, obviously, college prep is very important. It's vital. But you also want to really encourage people to look into trades and vocational training. Uh, so my, my question is, what do you think you bring to the table? But I think you can really expand on that, on why you think vocational school is so vital. Yeah. So you're right. Uh, the schools are, you know, it seems like schools these days are, are focused on the college prep path. So just testing and getting everybody ready for college. And there's a lot of kids out there who college just isn't in the books. I mean, they're not there. Either they don't want to go or they just don't think, you know, they don't think it's an option or don't have the grades for it. And, and let's be honest. I mean, that's, it, it's true. Not the college isn't for everyone. And so having an, uh, an alternative path, which would be, you know, vocational training. So what I'm talking about and really what I'm looking at as my vision is a pre-apprenticeship program. And what that looks like is your junior and senior year, you could take classes that help you build uh, your basic skills, learn industry standards and get yourself prepared 
to go right into the workforce. And what that what that is, is you can come into the apprenticeship and let's say we can get it to where you come in as a third term apprentice. In in my union, in the carpenters union, coming in as a third term apprentice means you're getting $30 an hour. So you're getting $30 an hour, you're getting great benefits, and you've got a career that can support yourself. If you have a family, support your family. And that's coming out of college or coming out of high school with no college debt. I mean, how great how great is that? Again, I think it's really important to get people. Uh, pushing different things on a board, you know, so this is something that most people are going to be all about testing in college and all that kind of stuff. And I think that you bring something really, really unique to this conversation, especially in Springfield. There's so many people that are going to love this. You know, my stepson always says, you look at, you go to the lake and you see who has a boat and it's not people with college degrees, it's contractors, you know, you know, and and it's true, you know, and maybe that's just shared interest, but I think that's going to really resonate with a lot of Springfield voters across the political spectrum, too. I mean, whether it's conservative or liberal, I think that people are going to really like that. Yeah, so I, I want to touch real quick before uh, while we're talking about that is that um, I was having a discussion recently. And as far as the college prep course goes, we're not even doing great in that. <laughs> so I, I had someone get a hold of me and said that their student came back from college and said, hey, there wasn't enough college uh, like AP classes to really put me on par with some of these other kids trying to get into the, uh, into colleges. So schools like Stanford looking at places like Thurston, they're going, yeah, maybe, maybe you don't have enough, you know, and I can't, I can't speak directly to that, but having more access to, to more AP classes and just better college prep. So we're doing both, you know, I want multiple pathways. So you're, you're getting prepared for the vocational training. And if you're going to college, you could do both, you know, I, I, I would entertain being able to audit these uh, these pre-apprenticeship classes as like a sophomore or something, you know, who knows, even going into college, you don't know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I mean, that's a, that's a huge question. So giving kids an opportunity to kind of audit these classes and check them out and be like, you know what, that's something I think I could do for the rest of my life. You know, I, I want to be a carpenter. I want to be a plumber or, or an electrician and, and actually bullies working right now on expanding apprenticeships to the medical fields, the technology fields, to all kinds of stuff. So you just think about having this array of, of career paths that kids can kind of check out and, and choose from. And, and for a bunch of them, for the pre-apprentice stuff, you can come out and without having to go to college and incur any debt and have a great career. Or if you are going to college, take a bunch of cool AP courses and get yourself prepared and come in with a leg up. And you, and you had mentioned electricians. Um, uh, my, my kids have looked into potentially going that direction. They've both chose the college route for now, at least one of them's kind of doing really well. One of them's kind of, he's, he's doing okay. He might not, it might not be for him, but I don't know the exact number, but the average age of an electrician in, in the, in the local area is like above 50, you know? So there is such a need for this. Now you have gone through the process, but how difficult is it to get involved though with an apprenticeship? I mean, there's quite a big waiting list, right? So that's something you'd like to see changed? Yeah, so so just for those that don't know, I'll just break it down real quick. We, uh, we're only going to bring in enough apprentices that we have worked for, right? So, but the really cool thing is exactly what you just talked about. So baby boomers are leaving the labor force in droves. I mean, this is, you're talking about one of the largest generations exiting the labor force. So your opportunity for upward mobility is at an all-time high. So you come in for, for guys like me, you know, I'm, I'm 34 years old. I'm in the construction industry. All these dudes at the top are leaving the field. Somebody's got to step up and take those positions. Well, as they're moving up, we need 
apprentices coming in. So you're right. It is kind of difficult to get in because we're only going to take in people we have jobs for. You're not going to take in a million apprentices with 100 jobs or 1,000 or 10,000 jobs available, right? You're only going to bring in people you can put to work. And so the, the benefit for us is that we've got five journeymen retiring for every one apprentice that we graduate. That means we need more apprentices. That means that there's a, there's a great, great need for apprentices, which means we can bring, uh, we can bring them on board. You know, let's, this is a great time to introduce something like this is when we need to replenish the, the ranks, you know, and what better way to replenish the ranks than to have people that, are, you know, graduates that are going to have experience in these classes come in with some, with some knowledge and be ready to get to work, you know, and fill a need in our community to literally build the community, literally build it. So now what has, what was your process of getting involved to become a carpenter? <laughs> so when I got in, um, I was working in the mills. I was working uh, in a plywood mill in the area. And um, I went to an informational meeting about the union and I, and I listened to what they had to say and I thought it sounded great. So I signed up for an interview. They did a ranked interview. So they rank you on zero to 100. Um, and you, you have an interview with some people from the union and with a contractor. And so I did my interview. I got a hundred out of a hundred, which put me, you know, near the top of the list of uh, getting ready to be put to work. I still had to wait six months. You know, that's how, how the just where the market was at the time you know there, where there wasn't wasn't a lot of work and that was pre uh pre mass exodus of these baby boomers right so they just uh it was a little tougher for me to get them but also i'm not mad at it because one of the reasons it took me a little longer is i came in off the streets now we have direct entry programs things like helmets to hard hats which is uh if you're a veteran you can get right into our union we'll bring you right in you come in you, you know we're just going to give you what they call direct entry uh, same with Job Corps. You know, there's other there's other programs that that we pr prepare people, and then they can can come in with direct entry, and that's what I'm talking about to get into the schools. It's a direct entry program. So, people that are coming off the streets, let's say you tried something that didn't work, and you want to change your career and become a, a a carpenter apprentice, you're gonna have to go on the list behind behind veterans and behind you know people that have have done the training to get in. Which to me it makes it, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. We're gonna we're gonna bring in the the people that deserve to be brought in first. And, and I think that could be our, that could be our graduates and Springfield could be a leader for this, for not just our state, but for the whole country, you know, set, set a, set a precedent and show people how it works and that it does work. Yeah. I had uh, kind of an interesting experience in high school where I started at Springfield high and then I transferred and graduated from South. Right. And so when I was at Springfield, they still had wood shop and auto and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it was always interesting to me because I don't, I don't know if that still exists. I got to be honest. I'm not sure if that's still there because I graduated 20 years ago. I, I know funding is a big part of it, but it was kind of like Springfield was more focused towards career jobs, whereas, you know, South was focused on college prep. And then South also had International High School, uh, IHS, which was for exceptional students. And I was a transfer student, wasn't allowed to partake because I wasn't, you have to start as a freshman. But it really just kind of made me feel like, why am I even here at South? I loved South. Don't get me wrong. But there wasn't anything. All I was doing was going through the motions. And I got a good education there. I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying that. But it just made me feel like if you're not elite, you don't matter. And that was something where I felt like I fell through the cracks. And then, you know, having left Springfield for different reasons, what I saw at Springfield having trade type training, I thought was really important, you know, auto and all that stuff. And I get that it's about funding. I'm not. I'm not sure if that still exists there. So the funding, the funding is there. 
um, actually they, they, uh, there's things that have been passed through legislation that actually provide funding for CTE and for uh, for graduate improving graduation rates and keeping kids from dropping out. But I think they go hand in hand. I mean, so I know we've talked about this before, but there's when you have a program that that is going to provide you a $30 an hour job and, and a real uh, shot at, at having a great quality of life right out of high school that's motivation to stay in school, right? So that the CTE, the pre-apprenticeship programs, all that stuff directly ties to graduation rates and directly ties to dropout rates by saying, by giving people, like you said, you're like, why am I here? Well, if you're here because you're learning something that's awesome and you're having fun doing it and you know that that's going to lead to the quality of life you're looking for through, you know, having a job to direct entry, then of course, you know, you keep coming to school. I mean, I don't know, would, would that have kept, would that have been something that motivated you? Yeah. I mean, I just didn't know, you know, the, the thing that motivated me is my dad told me if I didn't graduate high school, I'd be a loser. So, uh, but, but the reality <laughs> is, is that I could have, I went to school to be a barber right out of high school. And I knew I was going to do that by the end of my junior year, there wasn't anything that was preparing me for that other than having that diploma. I could have done it with a GED. So I could have just dropped out, but I'm a firm believer in follow through. When you set your goal at something, you have to complete it. And with high school, I think we're getting a diploma can mean to some students that don't intend on going to college. What it does mean though, is that I can do it because it sucks. Like high school sucks. There's no two ways about it. And so, and so to, or at least for a lot of students, I think some people excel and whatnot, but some students are just like, like I said, why am I here? But yeah, I, when I started talking to you about doing this interview, I, my ears perked up because of the facts that you are so driven on vocational training. And as a person that works, you know, I guess barbershop is kind of a blue collar job too. I, I definitely think it has worked out so well for me. I mean, I would have gone to school for communications and done radio broadcasting. And now I get to sharpen my, my, uh, range of conversation by talking to people from every swath of life, every direction, you know, as a barber. And then I get to do this podcast as a hobby and I get to do it my own way without a boss. So it's a lot of fun. So, I mean, there's diff different routes, but it's being a barber and having a trade has been the best move I could have ever made, you know, because I'm making pretty good money at this point in my career. It didn't happen overnight, you know, but I'm not union though. And I don't have any benefits because I'm an independent contractor. So that's something that you could probably talk on a little bit. Some of the benefits of being union uh, unions are in a weird spot right now. There's a lot of anti-union rhetoric and speak on why you think it's such an important thing. Yeah. So the big things with the union is that you have collect collective bargaining agreements. Um, so you can, you have people that that are there to protect your rights and, you know, as a worker. And so, you know, you're getting a fair, you get a fair wage. They're protecting your benefits. We're in a, uh, we're in negotiations right now for our contract. And so what that means is that you're, you know, whoever the contractors are, you have the contractors that are signatory. They've signed on to use union labor. Uh, they meet with our team and, you know, we work out an agreement that works well for both, both sides. So the, the contractors know that they're getting skilled labor that's going to bring their job in on time, under budget, and in a safe way. You know, um, one thing that we have is, you know, like, and I, I've never worked on you, so I can't tell you what they have. But, we, you know, we have a very, a very good uh, drug policy, like a uh, drug-free program. Like, literally, when you get drug tested and you're clean, you get paid. <laughs> you know, we get $50 check every time, every time we be clean. So you're getting a safe workforce that's coming in. Um, you know, they're coming in 
drug-free. They're coming in to work on time. They've gone through the apprenticeship, so they're skilled. They've got all the, all the skills you need to get the job done. And, uh, and it's just for the contractors that understand how everything works, you're getting a better deal. You know, you, skilled labor isn't cheap and ch- cheap labor isn't skilled. So, you know, you're, you're getting what you pay for. Now, as far as the school board, where do you think that you can implement this? Now, as one thing, if you do get elected, uh, would would going to schools and you talked about having an info session or whatnot, have taking a, a, a class to kind of learn about this. But would that be something that you'd like to individually go in and speak to kids about, you know, here's other options? So the way that I would get this implemented um, and I've thought a lot about this. So I've, I've developed a relationship with the Labor Commissioner Val Hoyle. Um, I know. Uh, Lane County Commissioner Joe Bernie's on on board for this stuff. Uh, Senator James Manning's on board. You know, we've got people that can help move things through. And then I know my union has actually invested in developing curriculum for this kind of stuff. Like we have the curriculum for it. So there is there. I know in Springfield, they actually have a pre-apprenticeship for electricians. I mean, that's already a thing, but it's it's limited. And I'd like to see that get expanded and then add other trades. So we're not starting from scratch. <clears throat> you know, we're not starting from scratch. We've got some stuff that's already in in place, but it's about expanding it and making it literally the, the other option. Right. Or, you know, a, another option. So instead of just the college prep pathway, you've got a pathway to a career. And um, and I would just, you know, I would like to see that implemented in all of our high schools, not just in our area, but but set the precedent and show people that it works and then expand it, you know, everywhere. Yeah. So you had mentioned at the beginning of this, uh, what motivated you to run for the school board was the events that you had witnessed in the Thurston area with the black lives matter protest. And then the reaction from the police, uh, the imbalanced reaction. And I've talked about that at length on this show. Uh, I want to know what are some ways that you think local schools can create equity for marginalized students? Yeah. And, and that's, it's huge right now. Um, and it's always been huge. I, I, you know, I don't want to say right now it's, you know, equity has been, been something that we've been battling since the beginning of time. And so for Springfield schools, one thing, um, one thing I've noticed is just looking doing my research headed into this job is, you know, we've got a, I want to, I want to say, don't quote me exactly, but we've got about a 24% Hispanic population um, in our schools. And so when I see the school board, Every, you know, everything's in English. It's a, you know, if you want to get parent involvement, if you don't speak English, it's really tough to come to the meetings and, and you know, and hear this information. So it's some way to get it translated. Um, equity, not just racial equity, but equity as far as <clears throat> not everyone has the Internet. So, you know, you're, you're not just email. You know, if you're emailing is the only way you're getting information out of parents. What about those families that don't have the Internet? <laughs> you know, can we we need to have. And I'm sure, and I'm not going to say that they don't already have this stuff because I'm not in every school and I'm not on the board yet, but it would be a priority of mine to make sure we're getting paper copies out to families that want it, you know, getting the information out, however, however we need to get it out to the families that want it and that need it. So I know we get caught up in, and then rightfully so in racial equity, um, you know, racial sex, uh, LGBTQ, all, all the equity that's on the forefront, but there's also economic equity, Absolutely. you know, and so getting out to people that, that need the information. However, so when I say equity, what I mean is to me, it means meeting people where they're at to get them where they need to be. That's the simplest way I can explain it. So if someone needs more resources or students need more resources, we get it to them to get them where they need to be. If you're doing great as you know, with, with the basic set of what we're giving you and you're already excelling, 
great. We, we can take some resources and give them to get those other kids up where they need to be. So equity is about bringing, bringing a balance by, by putting the assets where they need to be. Absolutely. Now, uh, what is what would you like to see changed with how education is being ran in Lane County? I know testing is something that you kind of have a uh, opinion on. Yeah. So right now with state testing, <clears throat> there's several school districts across the state and across the country that are opting out of it. Um, I know. So the uh, the oh, the Oregon Trail Schools asked the feds. They said, "Hey, can we opt out of?" state testing this year because of the situation. The Fed said no. And they said, okay, thanks. We're going to do it anyways, which I thought was awesome. I was, it was a mic drop moment for that school district. Right. So, and I would love to see that for all the, all school districts. I know that the school board in, in uh, Springfield has already voted and put through, I want to say it was 2018. It was either 16 or 18. They put through a vote um, that recommended opting out of state tests which gave the teachers and parents, uh, you know, a tool that says, hey, our school board is not even for the state testing. I get that we need to have some kind of metric to compare schools, right? See where we're at, see how we're doing. I mean, how else are you going to know where you're at? Well, there's other options. Uh, you can do, if you have a rubric for testing that everyone uses, you can do project-based learning, keep portfolios, you know, whatever. I know there's people out there a lot smarter than me that are working on this stuff and can come up with a way to figure out where our kids are at comparatively without putting them in front of these, you know, these standardized tests, which are inherently biased. You know, they're, they're, they're written. Anyways, I don't, I don't want to get too much into that, but specifically this year, no, I don't want to put kids back in front of computers after they've been online school for so long, get back to school, get right back in front of a computer and do testing that literally isn't going to do anything to help us right now. Right. Let's focus on mental health. So let's talk about the pandemic. Then, you know, this is going to be something in, in moving forward that's going to be a huge job for the school board is to look at it. Uh, I know for me as a parent and, you know, we our kids are out of high school now, but uh, with the pandemic, I uh, my viewpoint changes almost daily on what I think is the right move for putting kids back into school. Uh, what was the process like for you? You also have children. What was the process for you? Uh, in the last few months specifically towards today and how has your view changed on how you look at getting kids back into in-person learning? Yeah. So a little background on me. Uh, my partner is also a teacher. She teaches in the Bethel school district. So I'm looking at it from a student perspective. I'm looking at it from a teacher's perspective. And the number one thing is just is safety. I mean, I'll, I'll, of course I want our kids back in-person learning having the social interactions, you know, the mental health aspect of it is huge. I'm blessed. My kids are very close in age. So my sons have their best friend at home with them. Not every kid has that, you know, so um, the mental health health aspect is huge. Getting the kids back to school, getting them in person, getting them back to the, the community environment. But the number one thing is safety. I mean, just making sure that we're going back. I know at there's schools that as soon as they got back, you've got, you know, you got COVID cases, you're going, you're getting, you're having to take your cohort and quarantine back out of school. So when we send them back, if you're doing online and you're doing, or a hybrid or whatever you're doing, um, it's just, it's just tough. It's, it's, there's no easy answer for any of this stuff, but the number one priority for me is just safety of our kids. So whether that means getting resources to get more PPE or, you know, develop, uh, different ways for for the kids to get around the schools, 
that's that's safer. Just making sure that none of our kids get sick and nobody dies. You know, that's obviously that's the number one priority, right? Sure. Now, uh, what is the best way for people to learn more about your campaign and what can we do to help? Yeah, so you can go on. Uh, I'm develop. We have a website in development right now, but uh, I I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. When I ran, <laughs> signed up and ran for this, I had no idea the uh, the level of which we were going to have to campaign at. So we're we're playing catch up, but we're doing we're doing great. You can find me on Facebook. Um, Anthony Reed for Springfield School Board is our page on there. Um, you can contact me directly if you have any questions and you or anybody wants to uh, talk to me more. You can. Email me at the vote, the number four, Anthony, the number 21 at gmail.com. So vote for Anthony 21 at gmail.com. And I'm happy to entertain questions from anybody. You know, I'm, I'm very accessible. Yeah. You can also message me on the Facebook page. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm here. I'm here to talk to anybody yeah. that wants to talk. I know that I've I've reached out to you over the last week trying to kind of get everything ready for this uh, interview and you respond very fast. So so that's good to see. And I want to say that a lot of the, the candidates or a lot of the people in office in Springfield are extremely accessible. And it's it's been really cool to see and learn with this podcast. I've I've created some great networking opportunities. And I'm I mean, I have conversations with Mayor Sean Van Gordon at least once a month. And I mean, we talk about college football video games, but still we, we, <laughs> we have great conversations and it's just really cool to see what is happening in our community. I'm glad that you took the motivation from what we saw this last summer that we're like, we're, I'm not going to let other people do this. I want to step up and, and be a part of the conversation. And I think that's really huge. So yeah, I really am in, very interested in what you're talking about with the vocational prep training I think it's really vital. Now, again, I don't think that it's, we're not saying don't go to college. We're saying find what's right for you. And I think choice is really important for, for students, you know, moving forward into adulthood. And so I'm excited to, ha to have you on, on the board. I, I you know, uh, it's going to be cool to see how this goes. There's, there's some pretty hotly contested races, which is why I chose to have you on the show. You know, you've, you're running, uh, a tough campaign. And like you said, these are quick turnarounds. You know, this is something that you started running a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago, really. So that's why I wanted to have you on the show to kind of at least get people uh, aware of who you are and they can do learn more about you. So tell us again, the Facebook page, but the link will be in the show notes, but tell us one more time, the Facebook page. Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook. Uh, we've got a page. It's Anthony Reed for Springfield School Board. And I'll keep all my updates, uh, endorsement announcements, what's going on, volunteer opportunities, all that stuff will be on there. So you can follow along and, uh, and, and also reach out to me on there, you know, ask, ask questions, make comments, and I will get back to you, you know, whatever your concerns are. Um, or you can email me at voteforanthony21 at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, Anthony Reed, it's a treat to get to chat with you. I look forward to, uh, you know, building a, a blossoming friendship, like I had said before. So thank you very much for doing this. It's, it's great to get to know you. I'm going to end this with a song. And before I do, I want to make sure that everyone knows this is part two of a three-part series we're calling Meet the Candidates. I just did an episode before this one with Kelly Mason, also running for a different seat in the school board for Springfield, Oregon. And so make sure that if you're listening to this or you're watching this, Make sure you, you click around, go to strpod.com to find links to the other uh, episodes because this is a three-parter. We're doing three episodes of uh, opportunities to meet some of the candidates that will be on your ballot. And then next week, I'm going to be sitting down with Chris Wig, the chair of the Democratic Party of Lane County, and that'll be a great opportunity for us to really go over uh, what's going to be on the ballot. I'm going to ask him about what does the LCC board do because I honestly have no idea. So <laughs> we're going to learn more about that, and so that'll be good. 
So I'm going to end this. Uh, Anthony Reed, thank you very much. I'm going to end this with a song. This is an old school shout out. Uh, one of my favorite punk bands from Springfield, Eugene area from back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Short Round. I pulled this one out of retirement. It's, it's uh, good friends of mine. Uh, so this is the song, As They March by Short Round. Yeah.